purpose, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Maybe you read the title for this episode and had to do a double take. I'm sure most of us have heard that God has a plan for our lives. While this may seem comforting on the surface, what does this mean for people who have faced tragedy or the sudden loss of a loved one? Sure, we believe that God comforts us in these hard seasons, but we don't believe that God planned for these things to happen or that He ordained for us to go through these hard situations. However, despite having gone through some of life's most challenging events, God might not have a plan, but He does in fact have a purpose for each of our lives, and that is what we can place our faith in. This week, we are talking about two comforting scriptures that have been taken out of context and caused grief due to their misinterpretations. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert, a safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And we are your hosts. Welcome to episode 60. We are 60 episodes in. And today we are talking about a couple Bible verses that are commonly misused and misunderstood and I think can can definitely cause a lot of confusion. So the title of this week's podcast episode is God Doesn't Have a Plan for You. And we're going to explain what that means here in just a bit. But first, before we get into that, we want to invite you, as we do every week, that if you are looking for a place to keep a conversation going, to ask questions that you may not have another place to ask and to openly share your heart on topics, we want to invite you to the Reckless community. There are links in the show notes below, and we would love to have you a part. Just go click, follow through to that link, request to join, and we will be sure to add you. Also, if you get something from this podcast, we would really appreciate it if you would share it on with a friend. Sharing is the best way to grow anything, to spread the conversation and get more voices involved, and that is our desire here at The Reckless Pursuit. So if you wouldn't mind, just share this on with a friend. Hopefully, they'll be able to get something out of it too. So let's get right into today's conversation. So as we are sitting here recording, it is storming outside. So if you hear any thunder or wind or hard rain, uh, we apologize in advance because it has been storming like crazy all morning. And it's kind of chilly in the house because our heat and air is out as well. So luckily it's not too bad. And we've been literally like this is the middle of April and we've literally been talking all day about how because our air isn't working and how it's been chilly and raining that we actually were thinking about getting some firewood from the store and having like a fire in the fireplace since we just love having cozy evenings. Yep. So um, that might be our evening plan to sit back. Hopefully. So today we're talking about two Bible verses that I personally, this got started, we were listening to another podcast. We're not going to name any names, but they had said some things about a couple of Bible verses that just so happened to be two of my biggest pet peeve Bible verses. 
and we're going to talk a little bit about how God doesn't have a plan for you and how he doesn't want to make your path straight. And I'm sure you can pick up on which two verses that those are already, but I think that the misunderstanding of these verses a lot of times leads to hurt. And guys, we want to hear from you if you like this episode and this style. This is something new that we're trying out here a little bit, just trying to dive more into what the Bible actually means, because Elaine and I feel that that is a great way to learn how to be true Christians and not to just completely go the route that so uh, often has become of Christianity. So let us know how you feel about this, and if it's something we all enjoy, we'll do it some more. So if you read the title, I'm sure your first thought was, what the heck are these people talking about? This is supposed to be a Christian podcast, yet they have an episode that says, God doesn't have a plan for you. Well, there actually is purpose in that. And so let's just talk about it right now. We're going to start with the first verse that we're going to be looking at today, and it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. This Bible verse is commonly used to show you that God's got you and he's wants the best for you and he's got your path uh, straight ahead and you could just set sail one direction and as long as you're steering your boat toward him, you're sailing that one direction and all is going to be straight and all is going to be well. And I don't like the way this verse reads in a lot of translations. Uh, This is, we're reading through uh, NIV right here, and it says, he will make your path straight. The problem is that's actually not what the word means. If you look at the Hebrew word uh, yashar, it's figurative. It's not supposed to be that he's making your path straight, but to make your path upright, uh, and to please, and to seem good. And so if you actually want a more accurate representation, you need to look at the King James Version of that, and I'm not advocating one translation over another. I think many translations have strengths, and many translations have weaknesses. But a more accurate translation of the word Yalshar is actually, he will direct your path. Because honestly, God's not in the business of making our path straight. He's in the business of directing us, sure, but not in the business of making our path straight. If we look at the English definition of straight, it means extending or moving uniformly in one direction only, without a curve or bend. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like life to me. I don't think, I can't really think of any moment in my life really Uh, for any significant amount of time where there wasn't some kind of curve or bend. And the problem with reading this literally, where it says he will make your path straight, anytime a curve or bend comes up, an unknown twist, a dark turn, maybe things get a little thick, it leaves us feeling like we've either stepped off of God's path or he's abandoned us. And the truth is, that's not it at all. He's still navigating us. It's just the water's maybe a little more murky where we're at right now, or the forest may be a little darker than we thought, or it may be a few surprise twists and turns and ups and downs along the way. But just because you have twists and turns, you have you have moments in life where things take dramatic instances, that doesn't mean you've stepped off of God's path or that he's abandoned you to fend for yourself to find your way out of the woods. Now, what we're saying isn't that this is a bad verse. 
or that this shouldn't encourage you and that you shouldn't look to God. Like, yes, trust in God and lean into his presence, but it's just the word straight. If you've lived life, which I assume every single person listening to this has. only ghosts. (laughs) But yeah, so if you've lived life, you know that life isn't straight. There's always curveballs. There's always things that come up that you least expected. No matter how hard you prepare for something, things don't always go the exact way you planned. And sometimes that's okay, but whenever people use this scripture, for those who are new to Christianity or new to God and new to understanding scripture, this can actually make people go against God and feel angry at God. Because if God is supposed to make our paths straight, but somebody had a tragedy in their life or lost someone that was that they were close to, is that God's straight path for you? Did God want that for you? Did he, you know, a lot of people just become angry because obviously that's not an easy thing to go through life and we can't expect life to be perfect. Yeah, I mean, life's not perfect. There are always things that that change and move and and there's always where we think we're heading one way, but all of a sudden we're steered a different way. And there's last minute um detours and exits and roadblocks that we face. But that's the beauty of God is he's there on the journey with us. Life is a journey. And, you know, looking back to, you know, talking with uh, Eric Nevins, talking about our spiritual journey and how God walks through that with us and how it looks different for everyone. And then moving on to Paul Angoni's episode about how he had mentioned where it's it's brave and it's good to venture out into the wilderness as long as you don't go alone. God doesn't want us to go alone. He wants to be our light that guides us, but there's no promise that everything's going to be straight. And honestly, what what fun would it be to have a straight path? What good would it be for us to have a straight path? That's not the promise we're given, but we are given um, the promise that if we trust in God, he will get us to the right place, which really leads us into our second verse and the one we really wanted to touch on today. And, and both of these go together. I'm going to go ahead and let you read it, Elaine. So Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is a beautiful verse. It really is. It's one of those verses that we tattoo on our arms and paint on our walls and put on coffee mugs and t-shirts and every other kind of, uh, of, of clothing goods and home goods to constantly remind us that God's got you. You're good. You're all, you're in his plans. He's planned this. It's good. The problem is this verse is really good at comforting you in times of maybe losing a job or, maybe some unexpected parts of your journey, but it's not so good at comforting you in tragedy or maybe when you've been deeply wounded. You know, it's great to feel like God's got a plan and losing your job was all part of his plan and that he's got another one lined up right around the corner. And and we're not saying he doesn't by any means. But it's not so great whenever you're facing these really big obstacles and you look and you're like, God, this is not okay. This is bad. Whenever sin, if you're in a relationship and there's an affair, 
that's hard to look at and say, oh, God, that was your plan. It was your plan for my husband or wife to go sleep with someone else. It was your plan for them to leave me. It was your plan for my son or daughter to be sick or for me to not be able to have children at all or for me to lose my house or, you know, the list goes on and on and on. I don't think that that is very comforting at all. And as much comfort as that verse tries to bring or we try to use it to bring, there's a lot of circumstances where it leaves us feeling bitter and lonely and absent. And the truth is, it's a really bad verse to try to use for those situations. Because the big thing in the Bible that a lot of people seem to miss is context. And while, yes, I believe a lot of the Bible can be allegorical for us in the moment, and if it brings you comfort, that's not a bad thing. If this verse is comforting to you, that's okay, and you can use it for that reason. But the context of this verse, uh, this verse, honestly, is to do with the entire nation of Israel. And now, okay, we have the argument of, well, yes, the Israel, uh, the nation of Israel is completely relatable to people, and that's kind of the evangelicals' argument on that. If anywhere Israel is listed in the Bible, you can pretty much sub it out for, for us in modern time, and, and and it fits, and that's what God intends. Yeah, that's not true. That's just not all. That's not always true. That God directs Israel to do a lot of things that I don't think He'd be okay with now, like killing, uh, you know the wives and babies and everything else of villages and I don't know, taking multiple spouses. And there's just a lot of other things there that are questionable where you probably wouldn't want to, to use us in place of Israel. So I don't think we can just cherry pick what verses matter. And if you read the context of this Bible verse in general, it's referring to the exiled nation of Israel and God showing that he indeed had a plan for them as a nation not for them as individual people, but for the nation of Israel. God had a plan. Now, we're getting technical. Follow with me here. We're talking about the Hebrew word for plan. When you read that verse, whenever we convert it over, oh, well, God has a plan for us. For one, I'd like to point out that it also, um, a lot of translations actually read, for I know the thoughts I have for you, declares the Lord, thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you thoughts to give you hope and a future. So plan was interchanged with thoughts. That has a different connotation in English, obviously. But that word, whichever way you want to go with it, is the word makashaba. I'm sorry if I'm butchering these. I'm not a Hebrew or Greek scholar, but it's Hebrew. It's Old Testament. It's makashaba, and it means concretely plan, intention, plot, and advice, and thought. Well, you say, well, that means concrete. That means it's intentional. It's a, it's a plot. God plotted this. Yes, he did. He plotted the nation of Israel to be restored out of its exilation. He plotted Israel to have a place in the birth for Jesus to come along. That was all part of his plan, right? That's all part of his plan. Talking back to our episode on God and mathematics with Tristan, we talked about this. It's all part of God's plan. But that does not translate over directly to us as individuals. The plan, plan in English, uh, the definition is a detailed proposal for doing or achieving something, an intention or decision about what one is going to do, a diagram showing how something will be arranged. There's a plan there. If you read the Bible, there's an overarching plan from creation 
all the way through redemption into uh, restoration. That is God's plan. It's a redemption plan. He plans to redeem his people from sin. That's beautiful. And then to restore. He's done the redemption part. We have that. That was Jesus. Now he wants to redeem mankind through the love of Jesus Christ. So here we are looking at this, but we take this Old Testament verse out of the context it was written in and say, oh, God has a plan for my life. But he doesn't. So like the first verse, this can, in certain situations, ultimately hurt people who have loss or tragedy in their lives because if you read this as God has plans for you, God has the plan for you to get sick or like God has the plan for you to lose your spouse. Right, like it was all part of his plan. Yeah, that it was part of his plan. And somebody who is new to Christianity or questioning faith, that's not what they want to hear. They don't want to hear like God planned tragedy for their lives because God didn't plan tragedy for their lives. God didn't say, oh, this is going to happen and one day you'll understand. You know, like just as with the first verse, God doesn't make our paths straight, but he directs us in our paths and helps guide us. Just like this and where you said, some translations say, for I know the thoughts I have for you. Of course, God does plan to prosper us and not harm us and that we have a hope for the future, but that doesn't mean that God planned for bad things to happen. And a lot of times, again, both of, both of these verses are not bad verses. Both of these verses are strong verses for people who are hurting and in turmoil, but at the same time, someone who is questioning their faith and new to Christianity, this could ultimately stunt them and think, oh, well, kind of God's out to get me in a way. Like God, if I I follow God, bad things will happen. Well, and that kind of leads into this right here. It's like when you take on the mentality of like, oh, well, God has this plan. Yes, you you kind of feel like you're kind of up a creek when things come down, come down the pipe and you're just kind of sitting there like, God, why would this be your plan for me? And you can try to comfort yourself saying, oh, well, God knows best. God knows best. That doesn't comfort people really. Like that may try to, I guess, I don't know, run cool water on the burn, but it doesn't treat the burn itself, you know? Like, there's still that sting of, crap, like, God did this to me. Because ultimately, you feel victimized from God. And a lot of people do very much get hurt and turn away from the idea of God himself because they feel like he's vengeful. And while, yes, God does have an overarching plan, just like we said, from conception to redemption to uh, restoration— that is his redemptive overarching plan for humanity, that doesn't mean that everything that happened in our lives was directly intended by God. I mean, if you want to look at sin and then uh, error and human will, God gave us human will in the book of Genesis, and so God can't have a direct plan for your life because that would violate human will. God may know the outcome of something, but he will not violate that will he gave to us. God has an overarching plan for humanity, but not for each person, for as a unique entity he has, for each of us as a unique entity, he has a purpose. Now, you may say, well, you're splitting hairs here. No, I'm not, and I'm about to explain what I mean by this. 
Why does it matter? Because many people feel as if God is unjust and that he's the cause of evil and bad in their lives due to some predetermined map for their lives, just like Elaine was just saying. It goes back to that previous verse, just like she was saying. And honestly, it feels like every twist in the road is a slap from a celestial dictator instead of a guide bushwhacking through the jungle trying to lead us out of the thick. So here's a better verse to look at here. We're going to break down all this as well just like we've been doing. But I want to just look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, is this saying God's will is for you to be sick or bad? No, it's saying it's his will that we give thanks that he is with us in all circumstances. Throughout the Bible, whenever you're looking, especially the New Testament, when you're looking at this direct one-on-one with God. It's not talking about plan, the word that we were looking at up there, uh, the word uh, makashabah. That's that's talking about God's plan for nations, for the world, the, the outline of the progress of humanity itself. We're looking at the word will, and that is a Greek word. It's philema, and it's a determination, a choice, a purpose— an inclination, a desire, and a pleasure. So we can read it this way. Give thanks in all circumstances, for it is God's pleasure for you in Christ. It's his His purpose. It's his inclination and desire for you in Christ is to give thanks. That's not so bold and brash to say everything that has happened happened exactly because it was his plan and that's the way it meant to happen. There's a lot of things that happen in this world. There is violence all around us all the time. There are people that shoot up mosques and schools and churches, and that is not God's plan. And I'm sorry, but if you believe that that is God's ultimate plan and he ordained that, I just don't feel like we're worshiping the same God. I think God is sitting there mourning the loss of people so soon I think he's looking down saying, why is there so much injustice? If they only could see the pleasure I had in them for whenever they put their trust in me, if they could see the pleasure I have in the purpose I have for them, they would not even desire to do these things. But no, it is not God's plan. Looking at that verse, it says God's will for you in Christ. The English, of course, definition of will is expressing a request. It's a request. God requests that in those moments that you give thanks. Does it make it easy? No, we'll talk about that here in just a second. But that's his request to you is that I ask that in these moments, don't let it get to you. Give thanks despite the heartache because I'm right there with you feeling it too It's not, uh, this is God's plan for you, as in like, you need to do this. This is your one, two, three. And if you step out of line of this, then you're off my path. You're out of my will, et cetera. It's, I desire this for you because I want you to sit here with me so we can go through this together. A few other verses here that are mentioning the word uh, philema, which is will, which is what's used in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in contrast to Jeremiah 29.11. These verses are talking about us personally, and it's Hebrews 12.20-21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of eternal covenant bought back from the dead of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, 
and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom the glory be forever and ever. Amen. This isn't saying that he's going to equip you so you have to do his plan. He's not programming you in like a GPS. He's giving you his requests. He is giving you his desire so you can take his desire to the rest of this world. You can take his desire and let it live in you to overcome the trials of sin, the trials of pain, the trials of loss and of hurt. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right here. This is literally part of the Lord's Prayer. I think you know what the Lord's Prayer is. And of course, the Lord's Prayer, kind of a, a, a misnomer there because it's really, it's our prayer to the Lord, not really God's prayer to us. But it's literally, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let your request be done on this earth. It is not let your plan be forced. It's let your will be done. We are given the freedom to act out on that. This is his desire for earth to have the love poured out like there is in heaven, the way his kingdom was designed. Ephesians 5, 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is saying you don't have to live as fools because the desire of the Lord, his, his purpose is in you. His desire is in you. Once again, you're not just this uh, pre-programmed robot. You have that freedom to have that will expressed in you. The next thing I want to talk about here is, of course, we're talking about New Testament verses, but those other two verses are Old Testament. Well, there's a word that translates over, talking about will versus plan. There's a word that translates over directly from this verse, it's this will or purpose, and it is kafetz, and it means pleased with, and that's the Hebrew word kafetz, pleased with. And a verse to use as a reference, Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. This is literally in parallel to the very first verse of how he will direct your path. He takes prosperity, he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. He takes pleasure in you prospering. That means he takes displeasure when you hurt. You can't have one without the other. If he takes pleasure in the good things in your life, that means he takes displeasure in the bad. And why would God plan to have displeasure amongst his own self? That violates who he is. He wouldn't take displeasure in his own creation. He will take pleasure in it. And so that shows right there that God's plan isn't for you to hurt. It wasn't for the tragedy in your life, and he takes displeasure in that just as much as you do. And to some people, they may say, well, how does that feel like God? To me, it feels like God because it's showing comfort and love. It shows that he's right there, and he still has purpose despite the things that have come against you in life.
So a couple of verses that stick out to me of how God comforts us in our losses are Psalm 34, 18, where it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And Matthew 5, 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I like how these verses talk about how God is close to us whenever we face tragedy in our lives and when we go through loss in our lives. And I know God didn't plan for these things to happen, but in spite of these things happening to you, God is still close with you. God is still comforting you. And it goes back to verse Thessalonians 5.18 where it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We are to give thanks in all circumstances. We know that in spite of these things that happen, God is still there for us. God still loves us. He is still comforting in us. God doesn't expect everything to be perfect for us. God doesn't expect us to always be happy and joyful when bad things happen, but he is there for when these things do happen. And okay, so I know we just did a whole lot of Greek and Hebrew and this and that. So what's a good sum up of all of this? A purpose is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. That's the literal definition of a purpose. It's the reason we are created or we exist. All these plans, the day in and day out, the thick and the thin, the grime, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups and downs, the dark and light, the twists and turns, the, the cold or the hot, it's all superfluous because that is all planning. We can plan and we can plan and we can plan. But that doesn't mean anything. And God isn't sitting up there with some master book where if you miss a turn, then now all of a sudden you're out of his will. And I'm going to step on a few toes here and say this. You have something in you that you are passionate about. It may be art. It may be music. It may be film. It may be something more tactical like building or construction or finance or it could be ministering or it could be loving people or sympathizing with people or training and teaching people but you have a gift in you and that is your purpose can people bastardize their purpose of course can people take a desire for love and get corrupted into lust yes that's what sin is it's the bastardization of a good thing it's the polar opposites when a good thing is manipulated yes the desire to bless others can be twisted to become the desire for greed and those of course are not our purpose but at the root of your desires at the purity of your desire even if your desire is uh things like safety and comfort, you get to the root of those. You have a desire to make people comforted and to make them feel safe. We have a desire for that here. And those are the purpose God put in you. And so many times as Christians, we stand on the precipice and we're looking at all these different quote-unquote doors. And I I just imagine uh, you're just in this room 
and there's like five or six doors, and you know the one you just came through, and there's little lights above all of them, red lights and green lights, and they're all just sitting there, and we're just waiting on one of them to light up to show us which one to not go through and which one to open. And the truth is, God doesn't give a crap which door you pick. He doesn't care which one of the two accounting jobs you take. He doesn't care if you're going to go work at Walmart or Target. He doesn't care which house you're going to buy, which city you're going to live in. Yes, can God call you to do certain things? Yes, I'm not saying that. You can very easily, there are times in life where we hear from God and we're like, yes, God's telling me to do this. I'm not saying to neglect that. What I'm saying there is if you are sitting on uh, in, a, in your room, looking at all these doors, waiting on God to show you which one to go through, He's just saying, he's sitting there going, just open a freaking door. It doesn't matter because all roads point to God if you're pursuing his heart. If you have his heart as yours, any one of those doors you pick through, you're going to walk through that and you're going to let your giftings, your calling, your purpose that he put in you pour out on whoever is in that next room. And when that room and all that you have to do there is done, you'll go to the next one. And sometimes you have to jump out the window. Sometimes you have to bust a new hole. It does not matter. If you decide to be a stay-at-home mom or a working mom, if you decide to be a teacher or you decide to be a preacher or you decide to be an accountant or a programmer, whatever path you choose, I hate to tell you this, but because that purpose is already in you, and so long as you are pursuing Christ, there are no consequences to that. There is nothing that's going to step back and say, wow, I really missed God in that. Because wherever you're supposed to be, it's already purposed in you, and you're going to pursue that naturally. You're naturally going to be gravitated toward those things because that's already in you. And so you can't pick the wrong door so long as you're already pursuing Christ. So let this be uh, just, I guess, a word of caution or an unction to you. Don't waste your time trying to figure out what door to go through. Don't waste your time trying to figure out what decision. Is it wrong to pray and ask? No. Great. Seek the will of God. That's fine. Go and pray and say, God, I'm giving this to you. And then make a react. Make 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 a choice. And you say, well, that just doesn't seem holy. That doesn't seem right. Read the book of Acts. What did they do to replace Judas? They literally drew lots. They're like, God, we give this to you. And then they gambled. They drew sticks to see who was going to be the next disciple. Come on. They let God choose through random sticks. How often, like, what, what would happen if we as Christians just said, you know what, God? I just need to make a choice here. I need to do something. So I'm going to flip this coin. And that is your answer. Logically, we go, well, that's probability. That's, you know, there's a lot of people that go, that's the devil's work. That's leaving it up to luck and chance. They did it in the Bible. They drew lots to figure out who the next disciple was going to be, to assign jobs and roles. God just wants us to pursue his heart. And that is what matters. We show the love of Christ, and that is what matters. 
We don't have to stress about if we're on or off the path. So long as we're pursuing Christ, we're on it. So long as we desire him, we're on his path. So long as we desire him when we pick the next door we're walking through, we're in our purpose. And we don't have to worry about trying to read this overarching plan like it's some kind of... I'm going to link up to something that Elaine and I wrote and we produced, and it, it was, is the Bible inspired? And I just think it would definitely help in some of these situations. It's a spoken word video that we did a couple months ago. And we're going to drop the link in the show notes below for that. And just, I urge you to go and listen to that because I think it would really minister to you. But just know that God is after your heart. He is not the cause of your pain, but he's there with you. And despite your circumstances, you are still loved, you are still purposed, and he does still have you in his grasp. He's there to go through it with you. He's there to walk alongside you. And I just don't want you to walk away being vengeful to him because of a misinterpreted scripture. So our question that we're wanting to ask this week is, have I been waiting on God to show me his plan to take action when I know in my heart my purpose? Or maybe you don't know what your purpose is or what you feel called to. Then I would encourage you to ask God what his purpose is for you and what you should pursue. And I just want to say this last thing before we close out here. Your purpose is often what you're passionate about. Don't neglect those things God puts in you. Don't neglect your feelings and your thoughts because at the root of them, they're God-ordained. At the root of them, they're sewn into your fiber, the fiber of your being. And don't neglect those. I do not believe God calls us to neglect our passion and our, and our desires. I do believe that he asks we filter them through him and through his, his purpose and his uh, his desires, but they're there for a reason. And to neglect that is neglecting God's creation. And just as we wouldn't belittle someone else, we're not going to belittle ourselves. That's just, that's talking down about the very thing God purposed to begin with. Guys, we are here for you and we love you. Once again, the Reckless community is in the show notes below. We would love to have you a part. If you enjoy this episode and enjoy what's going on here, go up there and click that subscribe button and drop an honest review in the comment section below. That helps us to know what we're doing right and how we can better serve you as we move forward. And if this sounds like something uh, that you know someone that this would help, we would love for you to share it on with them. We desire that people know that God does have this ornate desire for them to pursue what's inside of them and that they're not just outside of God's will because of every little decision and to not be so hesitant on so many things. We desire to see people living in the freedom that God offers. So if you know someone this would help, we encourage you to share it on. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon.